0: Started. Um, you know, first of all, welcome to Spirit of Grace Church at 9.48. I'm three minutes behind on Sunday morning. It's good to see you. It's good to be here. Amen. Amen. I'm glad to be here today. I needed to be here today. You know, this. this week for me was one of those weeks where it just seems like things start to slide downhill. Did you have one of those weeks? You can raise your hand if you did. We're in church. I just kind of, it was just like, it was like I was digging my, trying to dig my toes into the hill to keep myself from sliding any more than I already was. You know, I was just, I was fighting an uphill battle this week and it just kind of seemed like one thing after the other. And, you know, what God gave to me to give to you today, I think is, Not necessarily designed to fix that problem, because that's life, right? That happens to all of us. We're all going to have weeks like that. It happens. It's it's normal. Everybody say it's normal. It's okay to have a bad week. It's okay to have a bad day. The important thing is that we're here together so that we can continue to do life together and strengthen one another. The Bible says that we're supposed to hold one another up in trials like the ones that you or I have experienced this week. And so, if you just want to stand really quick so that we can pray, I want to dig into God's word. Thank you, Lord, for this day and for this opportunity to come before your people. I ask that you would soften all of our hearts, Lord, especially mine, to accept the truth that you have for us. Lord, you filled my heart. I hope that you will allow me to make a difference in theirs. Not because of me or the way that I speak, but because of you. I pray that your word would be living and active in our lives today, God, and that we would be changed and made new by your unconditional love. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Okay, you can sit down. There's always that awkward period where you're waiting to be told if you can or not, and then somebody's got to jump first, right? Like I'm sitting down. He, for- he forgot. The church I grew up in, there was, or the denomination that I grew up in, I should say, it was like some people were like really determined. They're like, I'm not giving in. I'm going to stand until I'm told to sit. You're not going to beat me, you know, like I'm waiting for the command. So it's good to be comfortable. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke, as I always do upstairs, maybe more to help me than anybody else. That's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's the third book in the New Testament, if you have your Bible with you. And we're going to go to chapter 15. And we're going to start actually at verse 11. um, But I'm going to preface it a little bit with some information from the previous 10 verses. So as you turn to um, chapter 15 and verse 11, it's... um, it's a familiar parable. It's a familiar story that most of us know or everybody has said the, word, the phrase, the, the prodigal son. We talk about, you know, even people who don't have anything to do with the Bible are familiar, they use that phrase. Um, but the, the, the little bit of a precursor, just a little bit of um, spade work, I guess I would call it, right before that is the reason Jesus is talking about this is right at the very first verse. Of chapter 15 which won't be on the screen it says tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people even eating with them and so Jesus hearing this knowing this hearing them complain responds with um, in chapter 15 at least three stories the first one's about the lost sheep which I wish Dave was here, Lost Sheep Ministries, and then the parable of the lost coin. And the point of both of them is that God thinks that you're important. Everybody say, I'm important. You're important. You are important. I am important. You're not just another member of the church. You're a critical part of this church, and you're a critical part of Christ's body. You're important to God. He picked you. The Bible says that he knew who you were before the beginning of time. And he picked you then. Everybody say, wow. Wow, we're sleepy today. Careful, I'm going to make you guys do some stretches or calisthenics or something. The parable of the lost son. That's what mine says because I have the NLT or it's the, the prodigal son. So that's so that's where Jesus is coming from. He's 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 speaking to everyone, but this is to people who have especially an issue with him hanging out with people that aren't considered, you know, cool or religious. And it says in uh, verse 11 there to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. you imagine if you said that to your dad? You know what you're really saying when you say that? I wish you were dead so I could have my money now. Right? That's really what he's saying to him. Especially in their culture, which is an honor-shame culture, I would call it. He's saying, "I, I wish you would just hurry up and die so I can have my part of the estate and do what I want with the money. And this is, the last three or four times I've been up here, it's been, God has impressed upon me to use things, you know, common passages of scripture that are easy to to just breeze through. So I don't want you to miss that. He's saying something extremely offensive. I want my money now. I don't want to have to wait for you to keel over, Pops. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, verse 13, a few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. You ever do that? I have. Whenever I try to do something that I know that I shouldn't do, right? When you, when you decide to do, to do something that you know is outside of God's will, what do you do? You run away. I'm gonna to go to a dist- I'm gonna go way over here. You know, because you trick yourself into thinking that God can't deal with you over here. Well I guess I'm sorry, he can. You're not outside of his reach. I'm not outside of his reach when I do that. But that's what you do. You try to get to a distant land. I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna get out of his zone. I'm gonna get out of where I'm used to having people around me that are gonna push me towards the right thing. I'm gonna to go to a distant land. He goes to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money and wild living. You can imagine kind of what, what that's all about. About the time his money ran out, that happens, doesn't it? About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. You know, when you have a lot of money and you're kind of up high on life, you have a lot of friends. Friends are easy to come by when you're doing well, when you're not damaged goods, like we all sometimes are. You're easy to support when you're quote unquote, as he would have been doing, buying another round at the bar for everybody. It's easy to be friends with you then. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. Where are his friends now? Where are my friends now? Where are your friends now that it's hard, right? You know, if I had to title my talk today and you had to forgive me, I'm struggling a little bit today. I'd be gracious. If I had to title it today, I would title it Love Without Conditions. Because that's really what you have from God. You have love without conditions. And, you know, it's somewhat recently, and I'm glad she's not in here. I'm glad they have Sunday school, because I talk about Eva a lot when I'm in here. Because she's old enough to say smart things without realizing it. She had a friend, her birthday's coming up, it's in April. And she had a friend at school, who's her closest friend, and she said to her, she was talking to her friend, I don't remember her name, but she said, I'm going to have my birthday party, blah, 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 you know, whatever little seven-year-old girls say to other little seven-year-old girls about their birthday party. And her little seven-year-old friend said, well, I'm not going to come to your birthday party unless there's boys there. Everybody say, ooh, ooh. You're seven. What are you doing? Boys, come on. Come on. Boys are gross. Everybody knows that and she said it in passing because she didn't understand but it hurt my heart because i said you know eva it's hard life is hard sometimes because you're going to find that you have conditional friends because forgive me but i just went through a large situation which if you've been attending long enough you get to know about if not i'm just going to try to let it die because it's still ongoing but i had a, a, a situation with a friend trying to tear me down and it was all because it was conditional it wasn't conditional for me but it was conditional for him and that's the worst when you think you can trust someone and all of a sudden that condition evaporates and guess what now i'm not your friend or now i'm your enemy And that just got me to thinking when I started reading through this, and we're going to kind of cover it in a moment, but it's so good to have someone who loves me without condition. No matter how crabby I am, no matter how bad of a day it's been. He wasted all of his money in wild living. He was buying another round about the time his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. You know, when you hit rock bottom, you're a lot more malleable. God can work on you a little bit easier. For those of you that have been there, you don't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily, you know, when I say rock bottom, we kind of think of like living in the gutter, you know, like this guy's about to be, as you'll see. Um, Let's read through that quickly. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Now, then that might be easy to gloss over, but in this culture, a pig is an unclean animal. So not only is he doing dirty work, he's doing dirty, spiritually, religiously unclean work. He's dealing with an animal that he shouldn't have any contact with at all. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding to the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Where are the friends that were at the fancy parties when he was buying another round, so to speak? Where is everybody that was with him when he was, quote-unquote, going to do wild living? You know, when we hit rock bottom, we are our most malleable. And I don't know who this is for, but it was impressed upon my heart to tell you that. I've I've said it before, but don't get in between the hammer and the work. Sometimes God puts people on the anvil and he's got to, the hammer has to swing. He's got to beat them into shape because he's making them into something that's going to be better on the other side. Don't get in between the hammer and the work. Now I want to qualify that because you're going to end up like me where I'm like, yeah, hammer time. This is awesome. God's going to be beating people up and stuff, you know. Because that's, I tend to lean that way. I lean towards less grace, because that's my personality, but I have to temper that with grace. People will always come back to grace. But God expects us to have the wisdom to understand when it's, when it's time for us to, to, to back away and let the hammer hit the work. Because you can say to me all you want that you have no control and you can't make your son or your daughter or your nephew or you can't. They, they, don't, they won't come to church. Are you paying their car insurance? Are you paying their cell phone bills? Are you paying for their college? I wouldn't say this if I didn't feel like I had to. Don't get in between the hammer and the work. Sometimes you have to let God do what he's going to do, and it hurts. I was on the anvil for a couple years myself in my early 20s. So don't think that I don't know, because I was a big part of this process, to be the thing that was getting smacked with the hammer. So don't get in between the hammer and the work. But I'm not telling you that you don't need to exercise grace. Ask God for wisdom and he will give it to you. The Bible even says so. Okay, moving on. As pastor says, that was for free. You know, verse 17, let's start there. That's where we left off after all. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. Sometimes you have that moment of realization. Like in the old cartoons when they get a light bulb above their head, right? My kids have never seen that. You know, sometimes the light bulb goes off, and you go, Oh, yeah, I was in a much better place before. That ever happened to you? It's happened to me. It's happened to me in the last 10 years. It's happened to me since I started my Christian walk, trying to follow Christ and be more like Him. Sometimes I distance myself to that faraway land and I go, ah, why did I do this? I had it so much better before. Here I am spiritually starving to death, but at my Father's house. Even people who don't have that much honor have plenty to eat. Right? I'm star- here I am starving to death because I'm being willful. Because I want to go and do it my way. But in my father's house, there's plenty to eat. Even people who quote unquote aren't important. Hired servants. They have plenty to eat and a place to sleep. And here I am chilling with my homies, the pigs. Looking at their bean pods. Thinking about how tasty they look. The bean pods, not the pigs. Of course, it doesn't really specify, I guess. But When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. They've got leftovers. And here I am, dying of hunger. I've been here. I know you have too. I love you, but I know you have too. You work up this big speech, you're going to be like, Lord, I made a big mistake. I'm really sorry. Amen. Right? Let's make this short and sweet and get it over with. Rip the band-aid off. Sometimes it's long and drawn out, and sometimes it's just like that. So our buddy, the younger son, says... I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to my dad's house and I'm going to say, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me in as a hired servant. You know, um, sorry, I get all emotional. My nose starts to run. Sometimes, I'm going to quote my dad. He's here. He said sometimes, this is a long time ago, probably 10 or 15 years ago. He said sometimes God has to knock you off your stump. You get standing on your stump and you think that you're king of the world. right? Sometimes he's got to like, kick the stump out and be like, no, you're really not king of the world. That would be me. That's my job. And sometimes we place ourselves you know, sometimes God asks us politely, and says, here, here's my hand, Would would you please step off of the stump? Can you get off the stump now? Come on. Right? And he asks you to do that and you freak out and you go, okay, I'll get off the stump. And you just jump. You like swan dive into the dirt and you just face plant. I'm so sorry, you know. And God's like, no, 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 gentle correction. It's okay, it's okay, don't freak out. Just come off the stump. Let's go this way instead of that way. That way's bad, this way's good. And sometimes, and again, I can only speak from my perspective, I fall into this category. I immediately go to worm theology. If you're not familiar with that, it means, you know, I, I tend to veer towards thinking I'm less than I am, which is why I'm glad to be part of a church. That lifts me up in that. And I'm going to talk about that now. He had his moment of realization. He said, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me in as a hired servant. So he's all ready to just... He's ready, he's, he's ready to jump off the stump. I mean, he's off the stump. He's like, he's like doing the, uh, the butterfly swimming movement on the ground back towards dad, right? Like, I'm a worm, I'm not worthy, right? So he comes back after this moment of realization. He had a change of heart, right? And I think there's three things that are involved in a change of heart. I don't want to skip over all my notes. I haven't read anything yet. Whoops. You need to realize where you are in order to have a change of heart. Like where you actually are. Like, I'm right here. Even if I think I'm over there, I'm right here. And if you're not inside of God's will, then you're pretending to be. Or if you're, you can fill in the blank. Doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing, but you think it's okay. It doesn't really matter what you think. It's either okay or it's not. You need to realize where you actually are and then I think you realize, and you need to realize where you should be. And I think lastly, you need to realize where you could be. And you say, "Well, what do you mean could be?" I mean, I know where I should be. Like, I think all of us really know kind of where we should be when we're doing something wrong. If we're over the age of five, Lily doesn't count. She doesn't understand. She's my daughter, so I get to say that. You need to realize where you are, where you should be. You know that, I think implicitly, when you know that you're not in the right place. And then you need to realize where you could be and what's involved in that. You need to realize who you are. And our buddy, the younger son, forgot who he was. When you realize who you are, who's you are you can take your position a little more seriously you know I'm not going to cover that anymore but today is a good time to have a change of heart because of who you are or who you can be through him this is the best part everybody say this is the best part this is, the, this is the best part. This is my favorite part. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long ways off, while he was still far away, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. Embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, he's been practicing this speech for hundreds of miles. He was in the distant land. He's like, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Father, but you know, he's making this into a mantra, right? He's marching all the way back, this big, long, embarrassing march, ready to fess up to dad. Will you please let me clean the cow stalls instead of the pig stalls and give me a sandwich? And he comes home, and he, this is it, this is my moment, I'm going to say it, and he says it. Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. And this is, I think, when I was thinking about this, I started thinking about moms and dads. Raise your hand if you had a mom and a dad. Moms and dads are different, right? If If my kids... Are doing something that we'll just say isn't smart and it looks like they could possibly incur a little bit of physical damage from said activity I'm gonna say don't do that you're gonna get hurt Katie might even say don't do that you're gonna get hurt I'll just use our family as an example okay you can draw your own conclusions after said child gets physically damaged in whatever way that they're going to receive physical damage What's a mom going to do? What's the noise a mom's going to make? Everybody make the noise at the same time. One, two, three. Oh, are you okay? Oh, my goodness. What am I, what's the dad going to say? I told you that was going to happen. Knucklehead. Walk it off. Dad, it hurts. Ah, it's fine. Walk it off. I told you that was going to happen. Moms and dads are different, right? this passage is evidence that we are both moms and dads, men and women, created in God's image. Because God does not react that way. Putting myself in this situation, I can see how I would say, I told you that this was going to happen. When you took all your money and you went off and acted like an idiot for several, you know, for however long, it doesn't take that long to spend however much it was, really, if you're trying hard, right? I told you this was going to happen. You threw your whole life away. You can come back as a hired servant, yeah. I mean, you're still my son, but you don't get to wear a ring until you earn it. You don't get to come into the house. You can live with the servants for a while and think about what you've done. I can see that in myself. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't care that you've gone away and lived with the pigs for a little while. Does he think it was good for you? Yeah, maybe. Maybe you needed that to wake up, have the light bulb moment, and come back. But he doesn't do that. It says that he saw him in the distance from a long ways off. So what is God doing? Again, Evelyn, we had this conversation this morning and we talked about this passage of scripture a couple days ago because I'm trying to be better about not just keeping it all in my head. I'm trying to share it with my family more. And we talked about this and I this morning, I said, what's your favorite part? You know what she said? She's seven. She said, my favorite part is when he splits up the money. So he divided his wealth between his two sons. I said, Really? Yeah, I don't know why, I just like it. <laughs> I said, Do you know what my favorite part is? She said, What? I said, My favorite part is when the sun comes back. And I said, you know, because people don't do that. Because I said, Do you know who the sun is in the story? because we talked about it a couple days ago, so she remembered. She said, it could be you or me or anyone. I said, yes. It could be anybody. Anybody, everybody is the son that ran away. Sometimes, right? Because some of us were converted when we were very little and we were faithful through our whole lives. and Amen. That's a good thing. But we all kind of veer left and right sometimes, Right? Everybody goes off the path. And God's got to say, eh, "Let's it's time to go back to the path. Alright, if you want to eat some pig pods for a little while, you can. But I'm just going to keep reminding you. And I said to her, my favorite part is when he comes back because God doesn't act the way that people act. Because he didn't ask him to do anything and he didn't say, I told you so. He runs off. He runs to greet his son, embraced him, kissed him. And the son said to the father, his rehearsed speech, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. And and could you please, but his father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. He didn't say, hey, could you go up to Bob's room and grab him his Monday robe? Could you give him the okay robe so that he looks like a civilized person and not like he's been living in pig dirt for the last three months? He doesn't say that. He says, bring the best robe in the house. Get my most expensive robe and put it on his filthy pig travel, whatever icky stuff is on him body. Give him the best got a ring for his finger so that everybody knows that he's one of us, he's one of my family, and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. Everybody say why. Everybody say why with a little bit of enthusiasm. That was, oh my goodness, that was some, shivers down my spine, that was so good. (laughs) For this son of mine was Dead. And has been returned to life he was lost but now he's found you know you can't unrun outrun god's love you can't it doesn't matter which distant land in your life you go to it doesn't matter which group of friends you get involved with it doesn't matter how far you get drugged down the wrong path You can't outrun his love. Because what was the father doing when the son came over the top of the hill? He was there with a pair of binoculars just waiting for the moment when he crested the top of that hill. And as soon as he saw him when he was far out, he ran to greet him, hug him and kiss him and bring him back into the house. It doesn't matter what you do. I'm not telling you to do bad things. But it doesn't matter what you've done. And this may be as much for me as it is for you, and I hope it's for you. Because we all struggle sometimes. But it doesn't matter how long you've been away. Because you can be in this building and be far away in a distant land. Spiritually. You can show up and check the box. Everybody shows up and checks the box sometimes. Amen? Amen? I've checked the box before. We all have. But if you find yourself in a pattern of checking the box and mentally being somewhere else and you're not interested in God and you kind of hide under a rock when he comes close to you it doesn't matter how long that's been he's waiting for you to come over the top of the hill. Good. You cannot run his love because it's only condition even though it's unconditional love is that you belong to him. You're his son. I'm his son. You're his daughter. We are his children. That's how he chose to reveal himself to us as our father. That's what he said. Cry out, Abba, Father, right? We're his sons. We're his daughters. And this example is well used, but it fits. It doesn't matter what any of my kids do they can make the biggest mistakes they want to make they can completely throw away their life they're still going to be my in this case daughters they can't outrun that love they can make big mistakes and I can get mad right but they're still going to be my daughter I'm going to forgive them I'm going to bring them back into the house. You cannot run God's love because the only condition is unbreakable. You are his child, no matter what. You can't escape it. But his father said to the servants Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. No conditions. No, yeah, you can come back home if you sign up for a 12-step program and you start going to church again and you pick back up where you left off and don't continue to be a dropout from high school. You pick back up the family farming business or goat stuff, whatever they do. He doesn't ask him to do anything. He doesn't give him a condition. He doesn't say, if you kneel, if you beg, because... That's what we want, right? That's what you want. That's what I want when somebody wrongs us. We want them to feel really, really bad about it. That's why we like it in the end of a movie when the bad guy gets, like, got, right? Like we want to be, yeah, get him, James Bond. Double seven him. That's what we want at the end because we want that, we want justice. We want We want payment for wrongdoing. And God doesn't ask for any of that. And that's kind of what Evelyn and I talked about was the fact that God doesn't ask for anything from us he just brings us back in where the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life he was lost but he is found so the party began you know I wish that was the end of the story but it's not I'm going to go a little bit longer because I have five minutes. So there's this older son, right, that's been here since the beginning of the story, but he's only mentioned like one time. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf, and we are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. The father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you, and you've never once, and I've never once refused to do a single thing you've told me to do. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. And yet when this son of yours comes back, not my brother, not when my brother comes back, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf you know with this situation that I'm dealing with which is the only one that I can speak from it's easy for me to act more like the older son than it is to act like the father it's a lot easier to be mad than it is to forgive that's just the way it is that's the way our hearts work it's a lot easier to, to stay angry than it is to just cut the ties with that anger, cut the ties with that wrong, and move on. And in this situation, it's been very tempting for me to, to act that way. And every once in a while, I go down that road, and I, I, I have to catch myself. Today, I confess to God, I have been trying to do this myself. Because this was the situation was weighing so heavily on my mind, of the way that I've been handling it over the last week, I said, "God, I have to get ready for today. I have to get ready for today." Because I get ready over the course of the week or two weeks, and then I make little notes and stuff. But then I compile everything at about starting at about four thirty on Sunday morning. And Randy always makes fun of me for that. I, well, that's okay. I'd much rather do it the night before, but it, I can't do it. But I couldn't focus. And I said, This was the way that I handled this was wrong. And I'm sorry, God. Please, I haven't been asking Him to take control of the situation because it's easier for me to just be angry. Because I can deal with it, but I'm going to deal with it the way I deal with it, which is not what God does. It's not open arms, it's not get the sandals and the ring and the robe. It's not forgiveness. It's, I told you so. We can't be that way. But his father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything that I have is yours. You need to realize whose you are. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. You know, all of that to say this. And you can stand, if you would, before we pray. All of that to say this. God's love for you and his love for me has no conditions. There's no strings attached. He loves you like a son or a daughter. There are things that he wants us to do. I said there's no conditions, not no expectations. Just like with my daughters, I have expectations. If you're going to live in my house, this is the way that we live, right? This is the way that we do things. We're respectful. I really don't like it when you disrespect your mom. That's got like DEFCON 12 consequences, right? God's love for you comes without condition. Because like I said, he picked you a long time ago. And I want you, like me, to take responsibility for that this week and realize whose you are. And that it doesn't matter how far down the goat path you've gone, you can turn around and come back. You don't have to stay in the distant land. Nobody cares. Everybody in this church is so loving, it's obnoxious anyway. So we're going to take you back too. Make a friend. Randy and I, you can check in with me next week, okay? I'm on the hook for this. We are going to get together. Because I need a friend that's a Christian, and so does he. Whether he likes it or not, because I'm bugging him about it. We need each other. We're all his children. It doesn't matter how far you've gone, you can't go too far, okay? You can't. You cannot run his love. He's waiting for you to come back. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day. I'm thankful for your word, God, and for your presence. We ask that you would move in a mighty way in the remainder of this service and that you would meet all of our needs, God. I ask that your truth would find a way into our hearts and that you would help us to continue to be more and more like you. We ask that you would give us clarity of mind, Lord, for the remainder of this service that we could be clear to know what you want us to know. I ask that you would just bless us all, Lord, and keep us close to your heart. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.